Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Hey, Craig. I said high quality music mixed in there. I know you actually mixed the song in this time. It wasn't played. Um, again, as always, that uh, our intro song is uh, was written and composed and recorded and, and perfected by Randy England at Randy England Music on Instagram. Give him a follow. Um, so yeah, welcome to episode number one hundred and eighteen uh, of podcast versus everyone. I'm Craig Powers. With me, as always, is Jeff Newser. How you doing, Jeff? Oh, it could be better if we if if we would have played uh, North Carolina State yesterday instead of or yeah, it would have been yesterday, right? Yeah, this is Wednesday, yep. so it would have yep. been Tuesday. Would have played North Carolina State, and <sighs> alas, alas. Yeah, that's th- that's always a hard thing when your team falls out of the, uh, out of a tournament or playoffs or whatever. Like it's really hard to follow everything after. Like it's kind of painful. Totally. Um, I like watched... I, I have no idea. Did North Carolina State beat South Florida? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I assume. So. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I mean, I assume they did, but uh, I'm pretty sure they did. I, I think have, I saw I that no score. Idea. I've I've mostly followed the pack. Pac-12 schools. Yeah, uh, I watched UCLA had a rough game. They got down super early uh, tonight, and then just couldn't come back. Yeah, and uh, Onion Onion Wede fouled out with like four minutes left, so like their comeback attempt was over at that point. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, so it's hard to follow. But man, ah, that was uh, such a bummer. So just to be so close, uh, really uh, defensively. And in rebounding, the Cougs did what they needed to do. I think ultimately they just didn't score enough. They and really didn't hit enough shots because uh, they they got the turnovers mostly on in check uh, in the second half when they were able to come back, but really uh, just weren't able to put enough points on the board because I think they did what they needed to do defensively. Uh, they they held uh, South Florida who had was averaging a uh, 40% offensive rebounding percentage uh, on the year or had come in with 40% offensive rebounding percentage. So they're grabbing four out of every 10 of their own misses. Uh, they were at 27% for that game. Um, Cougs were almost equivalent to that. They were a little bit lower, but uh, the rebounding was essentially even and you're playing uh, what came in as statistically one of the best rebounding uh, schools in the country. So uh, it was a bummer that, you know, Charlize and, and the rest of them just couldn't hit enough shots. Um, but I think there's some credit to South Florida. We talked about in the preview there, their really tough uh, uh, field goal defense and 
Um, they definitely forced a lot of tough shots. They did, but I also, you know, just like it felt like there was so much meat left on the bone there. Um, you know, where you just you just feel like, gosh, if you just could have, you know, finished some more shots inside or, you know, hit some of the, the, the open threes or, or whatever. Like it just it just felt like there was more there for them, you know, more there for them to, to take. And, you know, it's funny, like before I really started getting into watching the team um, a lot. You know, you were, you were telling me, okay, yeah, yeah, they're, they're good. And they got this, yeah, they're, they got this six person off the bench, you know, Sherilyn Molina, she's great. And she just, she comes in, she's just real solid little spark plug, you know, makes all these, you know, like, like just makes the, the right play. And, and then, you know, when, by the time I started watching them, she, she had left the team. And so, you know, I didn't have a whole huge frame of reference for what she brought to the table. But when we did, you know, the preview with Alyssa Charleston, you know, you had shared, uh, you know, some of the efficiency stats with me from, um, you know, herhoopstats.com and mm-hmm. her efficiency stats were great. And it was like, okay. And so as I'm, as I'm watching them, you know, I'm just kind of noticing like, man, they just, they just don't have enough scoring. You yeah. know, they just don't have like, it is, and, and you know, and I know we sort of hoped that, uh, you know, that Charlize Ledger Walker would, um, you know, m- like magically regain her legs, you know, with a couple of weeks off and that uh, she'd be great. You know, and, and the, part of my brain knew that that was sort of wishful thinking because, um, you know, the, the, that the recovery doesn't really take place until, you know, until the off season. It doesn't really matter if you take a week or two off, you know, you're still practicing, you're still, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, and she looked fine, but still not quite as, uh, dynamic baby as she was earlier in the year. And then also, you know, playing, playing a team that, you know, very clearly like everybody else was, uh, you know, gearing up to stop her and make sure, I mean, they were running two people at her pretty much yep. anytime she touched the ball and Joanna today was able to, you know, make some shots early to kind of make them pay a little bit, but you know, to South Florida, South Florida's credit, you know, they never, they never really went away from it. They, they just kind of went, you know, fine. If someone else is going to beat us then someone else is going to beat us. Um, and, and it, you know, and it, and it worked out, they just don't have really enough people to score. I mean, Crystal doesn't score, you know, today her scores a bit, um, but yeah, she's... Crystal really, her, her scoring fell off quite a bit, yeah. um, halfway through the season. And when she's not, she, I mean, she shoots, I think like 60% of her shots from three. So if she's not hitting threes, which she hit one right off the bat, but then, uh, didn't hit much the rest of the way, like yeah. she's just not really a threat. And then. And then Bella, you know, she has had some nice scoring games, but she was, and we'll say she was huge, huge defensively. Um, yes. She was a big reason why WSU had such a good defensive game, such a good rebounding game. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, they really, you know, their, their like quick bigs gave her trouble. Um, yep. They stripped her down. If she brought it down low, it was over. Uh, yeah, they were, and they she were has a tendency to bring it down low, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is sort of frustrating. You know, it's a, um, you know, I mean, I, I know that a lot of, uh, you know, I think this happens in particular. I, I know it happens with boys, but I think it also happens a lot with girls. So, you know, and, and as a tall person, you know, like, oh, you're tall, you must play basketball. And it's like, you know, with girls, especially tall girls, you know, they, they sort of get, um, uh, you know, pushed into basketball a little bit. And maybe don't have, uh, you know, they get by on their height for quite a while. 
and maybe don't have the passion for the game, but hey, I'm okay at it because I'm tall. Uh, you know, Bella kind of strikes me as that kind of person. I don't know her personally. I don't, you know, whatever. Like, um, but when I see someone, I see someone who looks, you know, still pretty new to the game, pretty raw fundamentally, still does a lot of things that you would hope that a big would not do. The one thing that she does do well defense. So she does, you know, she's, she's good at being big defensively, good at being tall defensively. And then when she rebounds, she does an excellent job of holding the ball above her head and keeping it up there on defense. It's just on offense. Mm-hmm. You know, she catches the ball and she gathers and the yeah, ball ends up around her knees. Yeah. yeah. The ball ends up around her knees. And then it's like, Oh shit. You know? It's, so anyway, I mean, she's still obviously a work in progress. Um, you know, which is, I mean, and she's still young. She's a sophomore, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, she's still got a lot of time and a lot of room to grow. She's, you know, she's exciting, it, uh, she in that respect, a, but quite a big step forward this year. Yeah. Um, from so she's she exciting in that respect. Year. Just, yeah. just not enough, not enough in this game. Like a lot of people. Yeah, they're really, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure anyone had their best game. I, I'd say Johanna Tader had a, had a great game. Yep. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, Charlize is definitely going to want to hit at a higher percentage, not turn the ball over four times. That's not, that's really uncharacteristic for her. She, she is a very low turnover player for how much she handles the ball. So even four turnovers for her is like, yeah, way more than usual. And yeah, just some of the shots weren't falling. Like she early in the season was automatic on these little pull ups. Uh, she would pull up from like between ten and fifteen feet on her drives, and I don't, I think she made one of those, and she probably took like four of them. Um, and and those seriously early in the season, like that was money. That shot, if yeah. she wasn't hitting anything else, she was hitting that shot. One thing she did do great is she realized they just needed points, especially in the second quarter, and she just bullied inside and got free throws um she ended up shooting eight free throws and making them all which is more free throws than she normally shoots um so she is just that type of scorer that's like i'm i gotta get points i'm my shot's not falling i'll do it some other way um and so she was she was pretty good about that and truly that kept wsu in the game yeah in in the in the second quarter when usf just didn't want to miss like that was really frustrating part Uh, of it that was the most irritating quarter Part of it was so I, you irritating. Know, Bella was on the bench. Um, Emma Emma Nankervis provided. I think she, you and I joked like if if we could have had Emma's offensive game and Bella's defensive game and just in one person that game, yeah, they would have we'd won. have a monster. But yeah. but but uh, but yes, but uh, yeah, Emma wasn't quite quite the defensive force inside. They they got a couple easier buckets, but then they were also just hitting every damn shot. Like it was just, yeah, they just got hot, but. Uh, by they, the end they of the made, game, they made zero trips to the free throw line in the second. Yeah. Zero, yeah. zero free throw attempts. It was all jumpers all over the place. And like one put back where the ball, where the shot missed so bad that yeah. it like banged off the backboard right into the hands of one of their players. And then she laid it back in. It was like they were just hitting everything, which was so insane and unexpected and well, tough to contend with. For the game, their percentages weren't good and more aligned with what they usually do. But just it, it just when you get that hit, and then and then you're and then WSC's left in the third quarter coming back, and that's when you lose your legs. Is when you have to come back from a deficit like that. Um, and then you see in the fourth quarter they just didn't really have much left, and I think they had eight points in the fourth quarter. So even though they had a pretty good defensive quarter overall, just any bucket was brutal, um, right. and any turnover, you know. Uh, we can talk about the end of the game. Obviously, um, 
Crystal made a huge, huge play um, to to get WC the ball with a chance to take the lead um, with like 45 seconds left. Um, but and they ran this play that had been working for them to get Charlize the ball in, in space, uh, where they'd uh, uh, they'd basically run her off a. a, a a, they'd run her off a screen and then have a screener, uh, the big screen at the top for her. Um, and she just had some indecision, you can tell. And, and I, Jeff, you obviously asked her about it yeah. um, after the game. Yeah, I mean, she just basically said, you know, I had a I had a brain fart. She didn't use that term, but that was basically – I think she called it a mind blank is what she said, which I don't yeah, know. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't say brain fart in New Zealand. Maybe they don't say brain farts in New Zealand. Maybe they say mind blank. I don't know, but that's that's what she said. It was – you know, it's always hard asking those kinds of questions because, you know, you feel bad for them. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, she uh, – you know, and I, and I asked Etheridge about basically the same thing, like, you know, trying to figure out how – how to nicely ask like, Hey, you know, Charlize really screwed up there at the end of the game and, you know, turned the ball over and missed a couple shots. And, uh, so yeah, how about that? Like, like you got to figure out a way to ask that, you know, in, in a way that is, uh, you know, that, that, that respects the, the work that they've done and, you know, yeah. and honors all of that, you know, you don't want to, you know, you just, you don't want to be an ass and I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I was being an ass, you know, so I'm trying to figure out a way to ask it that it doesn't sound like I'm being an ass. And, um, you know, the way I put it to, to Etheridge was basically like, Hey, you know, any doubt in your mind, she's going to come back even stronger from this. And, you know, the thing Etheridge said, and, and I think this is uh, something that we saw all year, which she said, you know, she has big shoulders, you know, she just, uh, you know, she, she, you know, is not afraid to, to take the big shots, not afraid to have the ball in her hand in the big moments, not, you know, not afraid to be the focal point. And, you know, we talked about this with Isaac Bonton, not every player can do that. You know, mm-hmm. um, not every player is down for that. Not every player wants that kind of responsibility, uh, you know, and, and especially, you know, with their teammates. Like, and so when I asked her the question about it, you know, I just kind of said, hey, you know, basically what happened on that last play looked like they, you know, maybe defended a little differently or something. And, and she actually was basically like, no, no, they defended it just like I expected. And I just, <laughs> I just, you know, and you could see it in her face. Like she said, you know, mind blank, but like looking at her face, she just was like, uh, you know, and she just, you know, she got caught in between two minds and uh, ended up, you know, shuffling her feet on a very obvious travel. And I couldn't be mad at the ref about that one. You know, yeah. I could. There was a lot of other stuff to be mad at the ref about, but I couldn't be mad about that one. So, yeah, I, you know, it's just the way it goes. I thought we were getting like a heroic Charlize ending again. Uh, yeah, because, that's what it felt you know, like. After Johanna hit a three and then Charlize, they were down five. Johanna hit a three. Charlize hit a three to give them the lead with about 90 yep. seconds left. Yep. And you're like, okay, like, this is it. You've, you've this just is how we seen, do it. You've seen Charlie's like lock in at the end of games and just like, she could be missing all day and then just make everything at the end. But obviously she just didn't, you know, uh, after she did that, South Florida came down and scored. And then, uh, and then Charlie's has the ball and I, she drives the basket and I, I don't know how they don't call a foul. Like, honestly, it, Oh, she got murdered. Yeah. She like she got, got, she got clobbered. Yeah. Like, like there's no, they just, they blew the call, you know, after, after calling it pretty tight up until that point. Yeah. And then they just sort of decided, yeah. And then they just sort of decided, uh, Nope, not that one. And, And she got, you know, she got, she got killed and, 
you know, again, what do you do? You know, that game was extremely inconsistently officiated from start to finish. Um, they, they blew a couple calls, one, a couple of out of bounds calls, one that was very obvious. The other one, maybe a little less obvious. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that one, they didn't really show a good replay of it either. So it, yeah. it's possible that maybe they got that one right, but there was one they definitely got wrong. And, you know, I mean, maybe one extra possession makes a difference, right? Like, right. like you just don't know. And whatever, you know, you play a close game. I mean, this team showed all year and, and, you know, we talk about the role of luck and, uh, you know, randomness in, in our sports, you know, and a lot of people are, are sort of reticent to, uh, uh, you know, ascribe, uh, luck, you know, to their, their close performances. They want to believe their team has, you know, winning mentality and stuff like that. And, you know, people I think felt like that about this team and, and they definitely have guts and heart, you know, they came back, but also, you know, they had plenty of games this year that were coin flip type games that they won and plenty of games that were coin flip type games that they lost. And, you know, cause they tended to play those close coin flip games, you know, the D div- they you know, tended play, to fall behind and have to yeah, come back, and have to claw back. And, you know, so yeah, they, uh, this, they, you know, this was the coin flip that, uh, you know, went the wrong way. But yeah, and but I, I I'll say uh, uh, the beer I chose to drink tonight is called Endless and Endless Ending uh, by <laughs> a- Anchorage Brewing. Because uh, this is you know for them they're so young, yeah. Uh, and Charlie's is coming back, and I mean it's it's sometimes just because of the poise and, and and just the skill and talent and and strength that she plays with, you forget that she is 18 years old and yeah. uh and she is not at her peak she and she's a super not hard worker <laughs> and 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 she is a determined like you know ultra competitive elite athlete and she's going to get better um, she's got that clay thompson thing man yeah exactly and so she's going to get better year by year so you fully expect her to be better next year probably shoot better um, you know, cause that's really her area. She could be a, she could, she could make more shots. And then if she, if she's a better shooter, uh, and because she's got a, like a perfect stroke, um, a lot of it boils yeah. down to, you know, she takes a lot of difficult shots, but as you get better and stronger and older, you make more of those difficult shots. We saw that with clay. Um, and, and let's, let's be honest. Like she was a much more dynamic player than clay was as a freshman. Like she, she, yeah she was she was the go-to person I and mean, clay yeah. was in terms of shots but a lot of that was him being set up for shots like she is just a a, a person that can dominate the ball a, a great passer a great defender um, i've joked that she could be a i mean i don't think they would ever give it to like a a, a wing player at wsu but she she could be one of the best defensive players in the in the league already and i could see her if she just gets enough steals and, and like adds some blocks i could be the uh, defensive player of the year at some point if she stays all four years. I don't know how often uh, women's players like leave early for WNBA. I don't think it's very common. Um, and, and plus, with uh, given her like size, I don't think she's like a automatic lock to get drafted early or anything. Right. But but uh, but I, she definitely will be a, a professional uh, WNBA yeah. player. But but you talk about her. You talk about we talked about Bella. Bella Bella has room to prove. And and if they yep. kick her in the butt and get her going and. Um, you can see because she just she's just one of those players like uh, she reminds me of like young Casto and stuff like where she just makes like amazing plays randomly like she had a she had a couple buckets in a row 
in the third quarter, and you're like, okay, she might be getting going. And one was just a great post move against a double team. Yeah. And you're like, okay, like Bella's got it. And she, she has those moves. She just kind of gets like, she can get into her own head a little bit, I think. And, and she just not, doesn't have the consistency. And then I think, uh, Johanna Tedder got better and better as a, as a, as a yep. like second scoring option throughout the yep. season. Yep. And she could be a knockdown shooter next year. She, she's starting to develop more and more that, uh, off the dribble shot. Um, if she can extend that to get into the lane, cause she's strong too. Like Charlize, like she's a strong player. She, she guards a lot of fours quite often or threes and fours. Um, so she's a strong player. Um, and we don't know if Crystal's coming back. Um, she, you know, again, like we always think like, oh, they, they've reached their peaks as seniors, but like players in professional ball usually reach their peak when they're like 28. Right. So if, if Crystal wants to come back, I think that's a positive. Oh um, yeah. And I'm out, I mean, cause otherwise like, um, you know, there, there's, there's a good core here, but like when you mentioned with Sherilyn, like there just isn't once they lost her, like the the problem with depth was obvious. And yep. so they're gonna need to either develop, you know, Michaela Jones or uh, you know, Grace Sarver a little more or um, you know, someone else on, on the bench, uh, into something, you know, somebody that can kind of take that sixth person role, that Sherilyn Molina role, um, off the bench. And even another one, because like we cannot have uh, Charlize and if Crystal's back, you know, them playing 37, 38 to 40 minutes a game like that's we, we saw this year that is not sustainable for Charlize, like no. especially a player that uses as high uses as many possessions as she does. Like yep. you, you're going to need her because, you know, she just wasn't getting breaks down the stretch. As you mentioned to me, she played 40 minutes against USF. Yeah. Um, and, and, and 40 tough, tough minutes. Yeah. She defends. Just like she couldn't take, just couldn't take her off the floor. As, as Charles, as, as Alyssa Charleston said last week, like we play mostly man. Like, it, so Charlize is defending her butt off. Charlize has, has guarded the five before. Like they, yeah. they have her, they, they have had her play the five, played small, especially when, uh, Sherilyn was, was playing. Uh, they would go with like basically five guard lineup and, and like Charlize would defend the five. Like she defends her butt off, and so she's tired by the end of the game. She needs to play thirty-four minutes. Like it'd be great if she could play thirty-four minutes and not thirty-eight minutes. And so, yeah. but you need some. So, I don't know. You you kind of asked Cammy a little bit about, or you heard her talk about. I can't remember if you asked about what you know what they think about next year. So, what what's kind of your feeling about you know? Are they going to add people or? Because they don't have a lot of room to add people right now, uh, especially if Crystal comes back. So, like, do they can can they work with what they got, or do you think they might be looking to add someone? So Etheridge definitely made it sound like they're looking to add people. <laughs> she, you know, they she basically kept saying. Uh, I think it was in response to a question about. Uh, again, about Charlize and, uh, and about, you know, just how good she is. And 
Etheridge kind of said in a couple of different ways, Hey, it's, it's our responsibility as a coaching staff to surround her with players who can play, you know, and, and, and that's, and that's our goal and that's our job. And, and she, she definitely kept saying it in, in a, in a, uh, in a way to, to sort of heavily hint it like, like we, we need, we need more players. And, and then she kind of said as an afterthought, well, and you know, we also need to develop the ones that we have. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) Oops. You know, it's like, it's like she kind of remembered, uh, wait a second. I have, you know, I, it's, you know, you talk to a coach right after a game like this and I'm sure the, the things that were, you know, painfully obvious to us were painfully obvious to her. And that's just that there's just not enough scoring. Like they just need, they need some more players who can score, um, at least one, probably two, you know, players who can score if they, if they really want to do this. And, you know, something you said, I think is, um, you know, it's really relevant here. Like when you get a generational player, you, you, you want to do as a coach, everything in your power to mm-hmm. not squander that player. You know, you, you know, a Charlize only comes along every so often. A Clay Thompson only, if you're Washington state only comes along every so often, uh, like, like once in a generation really. Mm-hmm. And so you go, all right, well, how are we going to make sure not to, not to squander this, you know, once in a generation player. And, you know, so I, I'd be, I'd be pretty surprised if there's not some pretty significant movement with the roster. Um, I, I'd assume, and again, no inside knowledge at all, just kind of reading the tea leaves, looking at the roster, looking at the, the way they play. Um, and then just kind of listening to her talk, um, you know, definitely seems like, you know, maybe the transfer market, mm-hmm. you know, is, is something they're going to hit up. I, I, I honestly do not know how active that market is in women's basketball versus men's basketball. Uh, you know, obviously, we obviously, that's how they got crystal. Yeah. Yeah. But that one was, mm-hmm. you know, she followed her from basically, you know, from Northern Colorado. So, um, so, you know, the men's transfer market obviously is, you know, full of, you know, it's got a thousand guys in it or whatever. So, yeah. um, there's lots of people in there. I don't know if the women's game is the same, but I, you know, I definitely imagine WSU is going to be looking to add, you know, maybe a couple of people who can sort of improve the team instantly. And they've got a pretty good sell job. You know, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a program that just went to the tournament They're you know, they, they've got a, a young star, um, you know, come, come here and play with our young star and play in the toughest conference in the, in the country and go to the Where tournament. You can go, you can go nine and 10, you go to the tournament. You can go nine and 10 and go to the tournament. So yeah, yeah I, that'd be my guess. Uh, I, I'd expect that they would be looking to add, at least one, maybe two impact players, um, because they need it. They, they really do need it. And, you know, it's unfortunate. And maybe there are people on the, on the team that can develop, uh, that, that didn't play in that game much, but you know, by the end of the season, man, she had, I mean, she had, the rotation was like six, Yeah. you know, and that's, I mean, that's as telling as anything, you know, she got to the end of the season and just didn't trust anybody past about six or seven. And, and that is, that, that speaks volumes Yeah, you from, from a coach's perspective. You'd see Grace Sarver play some spot minutes and you'd see Emin and Curvis come in when Bella got in foul trouble. And that was, yep. that and was Bella didn't get in foul trouble in this game. So she played most of the game. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, um, one thing I, you, you mentioned like, yeah, it was a big deal for them to, you know, it was, I had thought about this all year. They get they got to get to the tournament this year because it, it, it just kind of sets that precedence and establishes you as a relevant program, something they've never been before. You know, I talked to be, I'm, I'm putting together a piece. I'm trying to, I'm, I mean, I've been working with it a few different ways um, around a turnaround year that this is, 
it, it reminds me in, in some ways of the, you know, the Bennett year in 06, 07, uh, where they were picked 12th. That was a little different. They had a lot of returning players. There wasn't like one random impact player that came in. You know, obviously this team, they were picked 12th because they lost their two best players from last, last year's team. And, and that was not a, still not a great team though. They were, they won four games in league play. Um, and then they lost their all time leading scorer and their, and their point guard who may have been an even better player than the all time leading scorer. So, um, in, uh, Chanel Molina and, uh, and, uh, uh, and Bobby. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it was so huge for them to get to the tournament this year. Like the, in women's basketball, especially, there's a lot of haves and there's some haves and a lot of have nots. And, uh, I, I've, I heard it talked about multiple times today on, you know, I follow some, um, you know, various women's basketball accounts and, and, and just the, the discussion today is about, you know, how like the, the women's, uh, the women's basketball tournament TV deal is just lumped in with every other sports tournament. That's not men's basketball. Right. So they so they essentially get thirty five million dollars for the tournament, while the men's tournament makes one point six billion. And we'll talk a little bit about that money on the men's side a little bit. But so there's not um, money for programs that are are historically poor to invest. Um, so you kind of have to have these like coaching staffs, like Cami Etheridge's staff, that works their ass off. Uh, to get player, you know, to get like this, a player like, like, uh, like Charlize Ledger Walker, who they, you know, they had to, they had to fend off some, some programs at the end, obviously from New Zealand. So she wasn't as like known as, as players in the U S but, um, she's a legend in New Zealand already. Um, and as we clearly see, she's an elite player. Um, but so we needed that, but now, we have her and she's just going to be a, a sophomore, a freshman by eligibility. Uh, and you, you, it's so big to have gone to the tournament to show that you can do that. Cause you saw like with, you know, we saw the program after Tony left and with like, we had the best player in school history and didn't go to a tournament with on the men's side. Yep, and so it's no guarantee. So it was so huge for them to do just enough to beat some elite teams, like just to get this far. Um, and and it was it, it. That's why I was so stressed out. You know, when they kind of finished on a you know on a great not on a great note, they got just enough wins. Obviously, they beat the teams they needed to at the end. Uh, but you know, it got real stressful on that four game losing streak. Like if, if they're an NIT team, we've done that before. We've been that program. They went to the NIT semifinals like four years ago, three years ago. Like it's, it's we've done or four years ago that we've done that. So like just to do that again, you kind of feel like, okay, yeah, this is the ceiling of the program. But now we know there's a new ceiling for the program. The program can go to an NCAA tournament and not just be like barely in. They were a nine seed. They were like pretty securely in. They're in among the top 40 teams in the country. Like, so, um, just to do that, that, like you said, that, that probably gives Cammie and her staff just that little nugget with if they want to bring in any players and also pushing the players that they have, like just a little bit farther. Like we've, we can do this. We can be, a good team. Cause honestly, if Sherilyn didn't leave the team, 
they could have been a six seed. Like, cause if they get a couple more wins, like it's, yep. if they beat Arizona state on the road, if they beat USC at home, yep. Yep. They, they could end up being a six or a seven seed playing a much easier team. Cause honestly that South Florida team, they could have been a six seed. Like that was a really hard eight seed. Like, yep. and, and they were very talented. The only thing is that they just weren't big, but they were very talented. They had a lot of scores, a lot of, a lot of players that were tough to guard. Um, a lot of, they played great defense. Like they were a very good team. Probably just got hit by the fact they didn't play a tough schedule. But, but so instead of playing, you know, instead of being the six or seven seed, you're playing a team that could be a six or seven seed. And, and that just makes it a little bit tougher. So yeah, if they're that six seed, we're probably talking about them having won and maybe even won a second round game. Cause then they're, they're playing a three seed, you know, like, uh, cause we just saw, you know, we we saw UCLA as a three seed lose to Texas. Like, so this is, you know, UCLA is the type of team that's a three seed. They beat that team. So they could have beat a team like that. So just having, they were that close, like to, to something even better this season. And it just shows like one player, how much difference that would have made. I mean, we saw one player broadly, what Charlize, uh, how much of a difference she made. Um, obviously Crystal as well. And, and the improvement from some others, but if you get Crystal and, and you have the improvement from Bella and, and Johanna and all, or, you know, Johanna stepping in, this is definitely not like, you know, they're not that close to a tournament team as Charlize came in. And, but yeah, but even one, you know, efficient player off the bench, is so huge. And and so it's just if they can get those one or two more players and and, and if Cammy can she can now sell it that we are, we are an NCAA tournament team and we're going to go do it again. Come with us, come do this with us. Help us get deeper into the tournament. Help us be a sweet 16 team, you know. Let let's get deeper. Um and and so I, it, it was just so huge for them to to make this step and and it was so exciting to follow them this year. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm super stoked. Cause really like when I talk about a turnaround year, it's not just the team, the program, it's like the fans, like how many people are aware of the women's basketball team. Now, when I was at school, they were a joke. Like it was, they would lose every game by 40 points. I'm sorry if anyone who played on that team is listening. Um, <laughs> but like, um, Kate Benz, great rebounder. I remember you're very great person as well, but like, uh, you guys got your butts kicked like regularly. And, and that was just kind of what it was. And then June came in, uh, made the program, you know, respectable. And we've talked about that, you know, they go to NITs, they, you know, they, they beat, they beat good teams sometimes, you know, and, and so they, they, they were respectable, but now you bring in Cammy and you bring in Charlize and now you're a team, you, you, you bursted through that ceiling, you know, got that tournament you haven't done in 30 years. You got to a place that literally no one outside of yourselves thought you could get to. Um, and it's huge and I'm excited and I just hope that, uh, they're able to, uh, kind of either, you know, maybe, maybe some of those players off the bench step up and maybe we get enough improvement from Bella and, and, and whoever else like to, to, to make that jump. But if not, like, you know, it, it'd be great if they could, you know, get some scoring help for Charlize and, and the rest of the team. Like, because, uh, like I said, over and over again, like w- we took one player away and it made a huge difference. And so adding one player again would make a huge difference. Yep. And that's the fun part is that this is not, you know, the culminate like when you're when you're a senior laden team and you barely squeak into the tournament like that feels different than what this is, yeah. which is number one, they didn't barely squeak into the tournament. Number two, uh, they're young. <laughs> you know, like they're super young. 
they, they got lots of players that could potentially get lots better. Um, so yeah, very exciting to, to see a program that appears to be on the rise. Uh, you know, Cammy Etheridge appears to be an excellent, excellent coach. Um, you know, like a lot of Pat Chen's hires, you know, seems to be perfect for Pullman. Uh, you know, she, it, you know, it, it was kind of fun. I, I'll be, you know, perfectly honest and transparent. I was not aware really of her, her history as a player, um, particularly, you know, just like all the, um, you know, the, the, the things she accomplished at Texas, you know, the undefeated team, all that stuff. Like, like I, I just, yeah. I just didn't, I just didn't know, you know? So, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it was cool to, to learn all that. And, you know, for somebody who, you know, essentially, um, you know, came of age as, as really kind of his college basketball royalty. Um, but to see the way that she goes about her business at, at Wazoo and, and, you know, and having come up, it's not like, you know, anything was ever handed to her. I mean, she came up through, you know, Northern Colorado and, you know, so, uh, you know, she's, she's tough as nails. Uh, you know, you get the sense that's the kind of player she was. Um, you get the sense that that's what she demands out of her team and, and that ethos really comes through and that makes him, that makes him really easy to root for as a, as a Cougar fan, you know, I mean, it's, it, we, we love our teams being like that. You know, I mean, the Bennett's were like that when they coached us, uh, you know, Kyle Smith's teams obviously are like that. Uh, just, you know, you know, tough, 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 tough. And they fight, fight, fight. They scrap, scrap, scrap. And, um, you know, that, that makes this team a team that you can grow with and, and appreciate. And, you know, so like when next year rolls around and the season's starting, I'm going to be like, yeah, I already know all these players for the most part. Um, you know, which, which is cool. You know, you can start to, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, of that, that 07, 08 season, uh, with Bennett where, you know, the, you'd kind of met all these guys the year before when they burst onto the scene and then everybody was back, uh, except for Ivory Clark. Right. So, you know, this team's, I think going to be a lot like that. And, uh, it's very, it's exciting. It's exciting. Man, we, we talk a lot about how this is sort of seems to be a golden age for, for Cougar athletics, but man, you know, it really is. I mean, every, everybody's good, which is weird. That doesn't normally happen. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, I, I will, I'll give a shout out. This is not like an ad or anything. Um, but, uh, uh, I, I've been desperately seeking any sort of gear that referenced this team, you know, uh, I couldn't find like any, uh, you know, March Madness, like official gear with Washington state just on the branding or something, which is kind of frustrating. Um, but, uh, uh, College Hill, um, the you know the the the, the company that runs Coog Store, uh, they're they're doing they're selling they made some merchandise, uh, uh, a couple sweatshirts, a couple t-shirts uh, that you can choose from uh, with, with like various quality of fabric and things like that. So you can you can come in at like a lower lower price point or get a little more nicer thing, you know, like a Nike Dry Fit or just like a. a kind of off-brand shirt, whatever you want. Um, but the cool thing about it is, um, so it's College Hill uh, Threads, I think, what they go by. Um, so they have like a, a landing page uh, for this, and you can buy that stuff, but with they're donating 30% of the proceeds back to the uh, uh, the, bas- the the women's basketball program specifically, um, which I, I'm guessing the women's basketball program does not get very many specific donations. Uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. I thought that was cool. This is not an ad. Um, I just really like that company, uh, that Coog owned and Coog run and, and, uh, um, 
they make a lot of cool kook stuff and so I, I buy a few things from them and get a lot of gifts from them and stuff so um i think that's a, a cool thing that they're doing uh so you can get like something that so it says like uh, women's basketball um they can't like put march madness or the ncaa tournament or anything like that on there like they're not really oh, allowed to goodness no yeah well besides we also we also learned this week that march madness actually only applies to the men's tournament yeah and not the women's so yeah well for them <laughs> fuck that i'll still call it march madness <laughs> that's right that's right yeah i mean it's 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 kind of a bummer you know you would hope that the you know the athletic department that nike would would have something you know if the men's yeah. team was in the tournament there'd be something but yeah, it's really mm-hmm. it's really frustrating. I will Very say, frustrating. I, and Jeff, I've, I, you're going to be jealous. I I scored. Um, I found it off a uh, like a vintage website just randomly while I was looking for. I was just searching anywhere where I could find uh, NCAA tournament apparel for the women. Uh, but I scored off this like vintage site. I found a 2008 NCAA tournament shirt for the for no. the Cubes. Yeah. No way. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's like unworn. It's like they they said it was like dead stock. It was from Pullman. So someone maybe someone just found it in a box somewhere. Yeah. Um like it, <laughs> it looks like it's like brand new. I'm pretty stoked. Um, That's amazing. Uh there was only one. Sorry. It's sold. Um I uh I bought it before I told anyone. Um cuz it's mine. Uh but uh so yeah, just anything like that would be great as well. Um because uh, I'm pretty fired up about this, uh, you know the same the same company, Kookstore. They made a they made a shirt for the uh, the um, college cup as well. Uh, so they're they're like, and no one else did that. Um, so uh, I check recommend following them. They they make really Heck great. Yeah. They make some of the best like bowl shirts when WC goes bowl games because those can be pretty damn ugly. Um, and they do, they do some pretty fun ones. Uh, the cheese it bowl one is my favorite one. Cause it has like cheese. It's on it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, yeah. And they're donating 30% back. Uh, so I think that's super cool. They didn't have to do that. I would have bought it if they were taking all the money, honestly. So, uh, good for them. Um, yeah. Uh, seriously. Um, I'm really glad we didn't do this podcast like right after the game. Cause I would have been like crying and, yeah, and maybe a little angry. Uh, I've I've been able to reflect a little more on the season. Um, if we would have done this, we were only going to do it right away if they won. Because yeah, e- everyone wants to hear that glee, but the the not not yeah. uh yeah, we needed a few days to cool off. The instant reaction <laughs> depression is not quite as no. People aren't looking forward to that in quite the same way. So yeah, we do those football recaps even just the next day, and sometimes those can be pretty bad. <laughs> yep. Uh, that UCLA one is quite legendary. Um, also one of our most popular episodes ever somehow. Uh, you guys are weird. You're all weird. Like you just love hurting yourselves, I guess. Um, go kooks, go kooks. Uh, but yeah, Jeff, um, I guess, uh, break time. Yeah. Hold on. There we go. Okay. No. Oh, I, uh, you know how I have trouble with this and everything <laughs> all the time. Whatever. I'm not doing the to break music because it's all messed up and connected to my headphones again and I don't want to fix it. Um, um but <laughs> And we're back. <laughs> Sorry, Randy. Sorry. <laughs> Good work, buddy.
I guess you could put it in if you want. I um, could, but I'm not going to. Nah, you're already you're already doing the the intro and the exit music, so I'm I know. I'm proud of you for we're, that. We're adding we're adding little bits as we go. You yeah, know, we're becoming more and more professional. I can't uh, I can't bite off too much at once. So, all right, Jeff, what are you drinking? Well, I should have said this like you did, like while I was doing the. Uh, while I was while I was doing the analysis, th- this is the matchless hazy expectations. Wow. And I was like, oh, that would have fit right in with the the roster forecast and all that stuff. But yeah, you know, pretty uh, you know, pretty typical hazy beer. So it's good though. I like the I like the can. You know, it's uh, it's got like kind of this baby blue and pink uh, kind of thing going on. So it's uh, yeah, I like it. It's good good looking. Good looking can, good tasting beer. Uh, did you know that it's made with Simcoe Centennial and Amarillo hops, Craig? As many hazy beers are. <laughs> <laughs> did you Actually, know that? I will say that that probably gives off more of like an old school uh, vibe than like kind of the, it's probably not as like citrusy it's, and fruity. It, as yeah. And it definitely like. has a little bit more of the bitter finish on the end. Yeah. So, yep. Really good. I like it. Yeah. Excellent. I am, as I said, I'm having Anchorage Endless Ending, and I, I think I may have had this beer. I can't even remember. Um, I think I've, I've definitely considered it before, uh, but but it is um, a blend of uh, two amazing beers from uh, Anchorage. Uh, one called Darkest Hour, a uh, barrel aged uh, Imperial Stout, and then um, also um, a bl- blended with a Deal with the Devil. They're incredible barley wine um and then it was aged in uh wood 18 months in woodford reserve double oak barrels um just an amazing so it's a blend of a barley wine and a stout i have it in a barley wine glass because you know it's it's in my barley wine is life glass because it's it's you know it's pretty barley wine is life um but um it's amazing uh it's got like kind of like chocolate notes from the stout you get some like toffee notes from the uh, from the barley wine, you get, um, so kind of like a Heath bar vibe kind of going on. And then you got, uh, it's just so thick and sweet. Um, definitely, uh, you know, a hangover inducer, but, uh, delicious. Uh, it does not wear it's, uh, 15% uh, alcohol very much. Like it's very easy to drink. Um, it is a delicious beer. Um, and it was very expensive and I bought way too many of them, but now I get to drink them. Um, but yeah, uh, Anchorage Brewing, Endless Ending, um, and, and the other beers that are blended into it, all incredible beers, uh, Anchorage Brewing, incredible brewery, um, highly recommend getting on up to Anchorage and checking them out. Um, let me get on that. Let me yeah. head right up to Alaska. Like, yeah. Hey, right it's now. like, it's like a like three and a half hour flight to Anchorage. Come on, get up on it. Yeah. Um, very inexpensive but, too. Yeah. Oh, it actually is not that expensive to fly there. To really? Anchorage. Yeah. Every time we've looked, it's it's not been very uh, oh really yeah. cheap. Uh, when we went, we yeah. went like we went like Fourth of July once, and it was not that bad. Uh, oh, I don't know. Well, maybe people don't want to go there in July. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't it know. Pretty, it was pretty nice to me. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what else has been nice for me? What's is, that, uh, Craig? Watching WSU shoot up these Kempom <laughs> rankings while not even playing. 
It's so great. Like all year long, we obsessed. Are we going to get in the top 100? Are we going to get in the top one? We were like, it's like this magical. I mean, look, we, we're both numbers guys. We love numbers. And we both also recognize that, you know, 100 is a very stupid, arbitrary number. Like it's like, there's nothing special about 100. It's just a round number. And that's fine. Uh, you know, and our, our monkey brains love, you know, round numbers, but it's like, you know, we definitely spent all year thinking, okay, are we going to, yeah, maybe we'll get in the top 100 or almost there. And we were kind of huh, at times we'd kind of hover right around that 100. And then, you know, we ended up just on the wrong side of 100 at the end of the year. And we both went, ah, alas, just on the wrong side of 100. Well, yeah, we, and we, then... we talked to John on selection <laughs> Sunday yeah, and we're like, yeah. well, you improved 20 spots to 107. Yeah. Pretty right. good. That's pretty, pretty good. good. You know, you lost CJ Ellaby. You still improved 20 spots. Way yeah. to go. And yeah, then. Good job. And then. <laughs> Little did we know all we needed to get into the top 100 is just wait for the NCAA tournament to start. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> uh, we are up. What are we up to, Craig? 84? 84. We peaked at 84. 83 in between. In between we UCLA, twenty spots without playing. Yeah, in between UCLA winning and and Oregon lose or not Oregon Colorado losing, we were at for eighty three yeah. at a brief moment. Yeah. Um, this is one of the things where uh, Ken Palm capping his uh, margin of victory is hurting us because the Pac twelve teams have just been destroyed. People, you yeah. know, like oh my god, USC over Kansas that was ridiculous. That was one of the most absurd things. Yes, you will ever see in the NCAA yes. tournament. That was yes. absurd. <laughs> no doubt. There yeah. was Well, why don't US... I mean, why don't I was going to say why don't you explain how it's possible to move like how how that happens? How a team moves tw- like is, uh, 23 you know. spots. Yeah. <laughs> how do you move 23 spots without playing? Well, well, so a lot of what um so uh, Kempom's ratings are built on a so they're they're adjusted efficiency margin. And so you take your efficiency on offense and your efficiency on defense, and then they're adjusted for your schedule. So the strength of the teams that you're playing. So basically what has happened is the strength of w, the teams that WSU played, and, and a lot of these teams, you know, that put teams they played twice. Uh, so you're getting like double impact there. Um, teams that were kind of close to them, you get more impact for that. Um they, their strength of schedule has just shot up like because all of these other teams. So uh, we've seen Oregon state uh, since the start of the PAC 12 tournament has moved. They started the PAC 12 tournament one Oh three and they're currently sitting at number 49. So you're looking at that, that win. And uh, Jeff, as you reminded me, the wins, uh, the games that are closer are weighted more. Um, yeah. So as Ken Palm says, like, Maybe by the end of the season, the early games are weighted about forty percent as much as the bigger game or the most recent games. But still, those two games against Oregon State are now against a number forty-nine team versus uh, you know a team with uh, fourteen, almost uh, almost a, a plus fifteen on efficiency margin over the court. You know, beating teams by fifteen points, uh, an average team by fifteen points over the course of one hundred possessions. Versus they were probably somewhere close to around, uh, probably closer to around like seven or eight, uh, points. So they've, they've, they basically doubled their quality. Um, and so they're sitting on your schedule. They've doubled their quality. Uh, USC has went from, uh, by, you know, just 
blowing people out uh, has has went from uh, uh, they started the tournament 11th and they're now sixth. Um, you you have Oregon uh, or also UCLA. I, I, they just popped up, so they they started the tournament 45th and they're now 22nd. You played them twice. You know that's that's the and beat them once and beat them once. That helps. Uh, or so I mean, obviously it it is. So all these teams rising, it's like a it's a cumulative effect because as as the Pac-12 wins, as that team itself gets gets you know is is raises it raises everyone else in the Pac-12. So as Oregon State and UCLA and USC and Oregon are winning, and Colorado the first round are winning, they're just bringing each other up in their ratings, and and. That in turn, you've seen UW has shot up a lot. Cal has shot up a lot. Uh, like everyone, even that isn't in the tournament, you know, uh, Arizona State is a top 100 team now. Uh, they were like around 115 before the the start of the tournament. Um, so everyone's taking these huge jumps, uh, and it's it's been wild to watch. I've never and and the Pac-12 as a whole. So the Pac-12 um, just as a whole was coming into the tournament was the sixth rated conference in average efficiency margin, um, adjusted efficiency margin. Uh, they are now third and they are clearly in third and much closer to second than to third, much closer to the big 12. Thank you, USC for destroying Kansas, uh, much closer to the big 12 than they are to the fourth place. South well, and, SEC. and Oregon state destroying Oklahoma state. Yes, of course. Like that's the, that yeah. is the other demolition for the for the big 12 so yeah it's 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 utterly it's i've never seen anything like it to be honest and not that not that i i have uh you know paid super close attention to these kinds of movements uh for teams outside of wazoo over the years so so maybe but, something like but this i can never i can't even think of any one conference having no. such an unexpectedly good that's run. that that's the issue like it's it's the they were unexpected and they're winning games and they are demolishing people yeah. like that's like that's the thing. And so like there's obviously a big, you know, right now, oh, was the Pac-12 underrated was, you know, are all these teams underseated, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, I think, OK, a yes, it's it's pretty obvious. The answer is yes. <laughs> you know, the Pac-12 was underrated. Um, and, and as you and I know, well, you know, in college basketball, uh, narratives get set early. I mean, it happens in football, too. Uh, it's not, it's not unique just to college basketball. It's, it's basketball, football, whatever, because you play your, you know, your non-conference games are your only reference point for quality between conferences. Right. And so you, you play those games in November. And as we know this year, like, okay, games in November are especially irrelevant, right? Like, like teams, you know, didn't, they didn't really practice over the yeah, summer. We talk about and, Oregon state, right? Like they, yeah. they had COVID issues at the start of the season. And a ton and, of transfers. And ton of transfers. Yeah, that's really like we know if you watch enough college basketball, you understand that a lot of transfers take a while to impact their team. Like the, not very few are amazing right off the bat. And so especially like, you know, guys like uh, Warith Alatiche who are coming from a, a much weaker conference. You know, they have to adjust to the speed and the strength of this conference. And he obviously has adjusted very well because um, he's an incredibly athletic player. Uh, but 
but yeah, Oregon State has been uh, super impressive. And you obviously their narrative you can write because like, well, they you know, obviously they're 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 getting hot at the right time. There's a lot of that going on, but they they were they were just kind of one of those teams that was gonna take a while to be at their best because of the nature of so many new players and because they at the very start of the season uh, had COVID issues, so they didn't get a practice. And, and and that happened with a lot of these, and you you could probably say that for a lot of these West Coast teams, the Pac-12 has like stricter COVID policies than some other leagues, and it, it's just it's harder. You know, we probably have more players miss practice and things like that, um, just because they're a little more cautious here, and and maybe that was impacting them in the non-conference schedule, um, and now. These play these teams are all at full strength. Uh, Oregon, in particular, they are at full strength versus what you know. Obviously, they lost a huge player at the start of the year, but he was never coming back. But um, you know, they're at full strength as much as they can be. Uh, USC, uh, they they missed a few guys through that. Their guard, their their point guard, uh, uh, the big, the kind of bullish looking linebacker dude. Again, yep. He, uh, he's he he Ethan, missed a big Ethan Anderson. right? Ethan Anderson, yeah, he missed a big chunk of the uh, early early of the season, and. Um, you know, now he's back and he is a very much a, a very like he he's a starter and he and he plays a lot. Um, he lets he allows Tajidi play off the ball, which has been huge for him. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, all these teams kind of have these narratives of like, yeah, they just started slow. And, and with USC, it's just uh, they 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 were kind of just they have so many scores and I think kind of they're just hitting like. Hawkes and and Juzang are kind of hitting at the right time. Yeah, so you know, I I, I always hate. I, I think it's ridiculous the way they have these. You know, is such and such conference overrated, under like whatever, man. Like, I I just don't think it's that relevant. Um, in the sense that to have the conversation now, you know, it's like the Pac-12 doesn't get any extra benefit from you know people declaring them better than they were, right? Um, but you know, I mean, it's, at some point, you know, the conference has to do something, you know, like to, uh, to improve its, its, its standing. I, you know, I don't know if I, I really do. The one thing I guess I wish is that, um, that the non-conference season would be split in two so that you, you know, maybe you play, you know, a couple, couple few weeks of non-conference games, and then you get on with the conference season and then somewhere around, you know, the end of January, you know, so you start basically start playing conference games like beginning of December. And then, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't know, beginning of February hits end of January, something like that. Take a couple weeks and play some non-conference games, you know, have, have some of these tournaments have, um, you know, just some stuff where, you know, we have some crossover with some other conferences because, you know, you get to a point and, and I think this is the other part with, you know, Pomeroy's algorithm is, you know, the same teams play the same teams over and over and over again, uh, you know, and then at some point, some new data point gets entered into the into the mix and, you know, one conference, a bunch of teams from the same conference end up, you know, destroying and then that's how you get WSU moving on up because all these teams that they played are suddenly making big moves from destroying these other highly regarded teams. And there's a lot of volatility there. 
Well, ideally, you wouldn't want that kind of volatility, right? Like, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd want there to be some more reference points, some more data points where, you know, if you're going to be seeding teams, you know, instead of seeding teams based off of whether they won or lost the Maui Invitational, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, right? <laughs> like, I mean, and I keep hearing like people saying, well, you know, it's, as, I'm, as I'm just kind of watching on Twitter, you know, I'm seeing people say things like, well, you know, I mean, are, are you trying to tell me, you know, Cal is good and Washington's good? And I'm like, no, they fucking suck. But it also maybe they don't suck as bad as we thought. Right. Like maybe these teams are better than we thought. Maybe that we, you know, didn't necessarily give them the credit they deserve. People are like, well, I watched USC and UCLA and. Uh, you know, I watched them all season and they never looked like this. It's like, well, because maybe they were playing some good, okay fucking teams. Like, yeah. like maybe they look, didn't look as good because Washington State's better than you think. Like, maybe they didn't look as good because Cal is better than you. Like, I'm just like, you know, oh, you know, Colorado, you know, they just, I mean, they, they, you saw that loss to Washington. It's like, well, okay. But Washington's like loaded with four star guys. Yeah, on the whole, they weren't good. But I mean, come on, they got talent, you know, I mean, it's so anyway, I just I think that, you know, the Pac-12 really gets, you know, just kind of unfairly shit on most of the time uh, based on perception, uh, based on reputation, which, of course, the conference does not do much to help itself with. Um, I think that's part of the issue. And uh, hopefully, 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 since you figure, you know, most of these teams will be reasonably intact heading into next year. Um, that the conference can maybe get, you know, a little more love out of the gate because it really does. It's really a narrative thing. And once that narrative gets set, especially when you've got humans making the selections for the tournament, you know, you've really, you know, those, those humans need to think that your conference doesn't suck. I mean, we saw what happened with the women when they don't think that your conference sucks. (laughs) You know, if they think your conference is really good, then your conference is really good and you can go, you know, you can have a losing record in conference and still make it into the tournament. So, well, yeah, we saw, we saw when, you know, like 2008, we saw like nine and nine, eight and 10, I think a nine and nine team definitely, uh, cause the Pac-12 had Pac-10 had seven teams that year in the tournament. And, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, only six. I thought there were seven, but Arizona made it and it's going eight and 10 that year. Yep. So, yeah, you get that perception. Obviously, you know, Pac-12 is looking way better on their Kempom rankings now that we look at. If you just look at the distribution of the teams, you have that. Now, it's like all year it's like, oh, they don't have that top team. Or maybe we had a couple of them. Yeah. And like maybe. you said, maybe they lost the teams <laughs> because the teams were good. Like it, if USC loses to Oregon State on the road, you know, at or, you know, I don't think they did, but like it just as example, or to Utah on the road or something, that's someone losing to a top 50 team on the road. Like suddenly that doesn't look bad anymore, but everyone wants, it's, it's, it's the same damn narrative in football. Like it's always the same thing. If, if you don't have a team that is beating everyone, they assume yep. that your conference is bad and it's stupid. Uh, now we have a, a team like where uh, 10 of the 12 teams are in the top 90 of Kempom. Which is that's that's pretty normal for a good uh, uh, conference, and and then the worst team is one thirty nine in Washington. That's not that bad. We we've seen good pack, and and that's part of the reason why you don't have a team that runs through when you don't have those really bad teams that are offering four wins to every you know like two teams at the bottom. There's like four free wins to everyone, so you can't just stack up those wins. 
Yeah. Uh, and so it's just, it's so frustrating, but like, it's pretty cool to see some redemption. Um, they're obviously going to have at least one team in the elite eight because annoyingly, um, Oregon and USC can play each other in the sweet 16 because they only played each other once during the season. Yeah. And that, by the way, that is not unfair seating, <laughs> you know, having these two teams meet, you know, early, you know, meet in the sweet 16, it just, you know, just, it just sort of is what it is. You know, you got that many teams in the tournament. They're gonna, there's a chance that somebody is, you know, somebody's going to meet up. It's not a big deal. Uh, they do try to, if you've played, already played a team, I think three times, they make sure you can't meet until the regional final, but that didn't happen with USC and Oregon. So, uh, but the real storyline here, Craig, which we haven't touched on yet is that we are now, uh, rolling in money because of all of this. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think the, the last count from Wilner is, uh, the, the conference says because of the wind shares that they've, so you get. Uh, they, they, they assign money to the conferences based on, uh, the number of, uh, win shares or units. So if your team is, you know, you get your, you get your five for the, the number of teams in the conference, but when they advance to another slot, you add one, add another, add another. So, uh, they're up to, I can't remember how many units it is now. Uh, I guess I could do the math because, <laughs> uh, uh, see UCLA has three wins, right? Um, and then yeah, UCLA's got three. Colorado had a win. Colorado that's had four. one, and then you have and then two the other from, three had two wins. So that's ten, what are we at now? Ten. So fifteen. <laughs> we're at fifteen shares. Uh, fifteen units. So like, uh, Wilner said that was almost. It's close to thirty. His estimate, uh, uh, John Wilner of the uh, Mercury News, uh, uh, close to thirty million dollars that the conference is going to get. And of course, we split that equally. So that's WSU over the course of six years. Um, we'll get what thirty divided by twelve um, is uh, two and a half million dollars, roughly. If no one, and they're going to get more because at least one more team is going to win. Yeah, they'll get at least one more win. And so you're, you're talking like two and a half million dollars. So that's you know uh, four hundred thousand dollars plus a little more. Every year for the next six years, um, you would obviously have expected to get some of those units. Um, they probably expect at least like four units every year in the Pac-12. They've only gotten like three before, but um, you know. You, but so it's not like you, we kind of talked about this on the slide. Like is is uh, are are those? Does the athletic department already? budget some of those i'm guessing they don't budget this many units you know like I'd be, I, yeah you would think they don't so you're sure. talking about several hundred thousand dollars a year extra coming into wsc's program because a bunch of other teams are winning tournament games is pretty fucking great like um yeah. it's it's way fun when you dub is not the one doing that because you can just <laughs> root for all the teams like i just yeah. I root and, and I told you I said this to you, Jeff. It's like my little baby birds are out soaring because I've spent so much time previewing, so many words previewing, and learning about all these players on all these teams. And then when I see Johnny Juzang like drop twenty seven or whatever, and I right, see right. Evan Mobley destroy Kansas, and I well, and then I see Isaiah Mobley make four threes, and I'm like, what the? Where the hell did you learn <laughs> how to do that? that <laughs> and the, or you know, or you see, uh, you see, um, you know, uh, uh, 
Chris Duarte dunk on people and, and uh, just Omiyori, uh just get these like ridiculous, make these ridiculously athletic plays. You see Marith Alatiche shine. You see Ethan Thompson finally like uh, be the scorer that you thought he could be. You see Jared Lucas light someone else up for a change. Like, thank God. Like so he can drain ridiculous threes on someone else. Like it's, it's fun to watch it happen because you just know these players so well and you know them better than the players on the teams that they're playing. And so you're just like, this is fun. Like I, I know these teams, they're not my teams, but I have, my school has some, some skin in the game here. So keep on winning. Let's go for it. Let's go. Let's get Bill Walton. The closest thing we can get to Bill Walton's yeah. five, five pack 12 team final four. That would be great. Yeah. It would be, I, you know, I don't know if any of them have what it takes to win the championship, um, but <laughs> USC I mean, would be the closest, I think, just cause yeah. of, because of Mobley mostly. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and so much of it has to do with, uh, you know, path and, and things like that. So you know, right now, difficult path. Yes. Right now, USC or Oregon is on path to uh, have to play Gonzaga. So, you know, we'll see. But Gonzaga's got to deal with Creighton. Got to deal with Creighton. So we'll see. I don't know, but it's, it's fun, man. It's, it's like, I'll tell you what, like I, I thought the PAC 12 was underrated, but I, I would be lying if I said, I thought this was coming, <laughs> no. you know? And, and then not only, not only that, the team I trusted the most was Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was, that was the team I, I really trusted. I'm like, yeah, man, they got this, you know, senior laden team. They are deep. You know I mean? They bring guys off the bench that would start for most of the other teams in the conference. Uh, you know, senior point guard, like senior, senior forward with batty. Like you're just going, yeah, like they, they got it all. And, and, you know, and I really kind of overlooked, I think their inconsistency mm-hmm. at times in the season. And especially then, especially away you know, from course, Boulder. Yeah. And, and they played Florida state and Florida state just made them look like children. Like it was, they, they basically quit in that game. And yep. I don't know. And, and, you know, and I, I, I don't know. Nobody has, has really kind of talked about this, but obviously there was a mass shooting in Boulder mm-hmm. the day that they played that game. So, you know, I don't know if that played into it or not. Um, you know, I'm hesitant to, to draw too many conclusions, but, um, I would not be surprised if that, you know, if they were, had sort of spent their day, you know, just basically making sure everybody they knew was alive. Um, and, and then, you know, ended up playing this game cause they, they just looked, man, there was a point there where they just were like, you know, Tad Boyle got a T right. Yeah. And that was, and that was kind of it. You know, he got that T and every, yeah, they, you know, just the whole like thing they fell were, apart from there. It seemed like they could have made a run and then he got that T and it was over. It's, yeah. it's great. They, like, they kind of stopped fighting too, which was hard the, to watch. And the crazy thing is, uh, Florida's Florida state's best player, like a lot of freshman, you know, one and done lottery pick, Scotty Barnes, like did almost nothing in that game. Like yep. he had, he had, he took like two shots. He had six points. Like, um, and I've watched Florida state a few times this year and he is a great player and, yeah. and, but he didn't have to do much and they just, they just bullied them. And, and, and that's usually what Colorado does to other teams. That's, that's the key word, man. Yep. That, and that's what Florida, nobody bullies people better than Florida state. Yep. Like Leonard Hamilton every year puts together a team that is like a four seed, a five seed, a three seed somewhere in there. And, you know, they, they are usually down there because their offense is kind of iffy 
and but their defense is just like they are long and athletic. And when we joke, we joke all the time about long and athletic. Uh, Florida State is always annually year after year like the like like Leonard Hamilton's taking dudes who might not be able to shoot a basketball for the life of them. But, man, they can, you know, defend you like you would not believe they can harass your shots. They can trap you. They can press you. I mean, they can do all kinds of stuff and to just make your life miserable. And Colorado wilted, <laughs> you know, Florida State bullies people. And if you can't handle that, then you're toast. And I, and I really thought Colorado would be of any team could be the one to handle that. I mean, you know, again, McKinley, Wright, Senior point guard like he's not going to be bullied. Come on. But he is six feet tall. Yep. And that was a major problem. They were seeing ghosts by the end of that game, man. They were looking around like McKinley, right? Looking around, wondering where the next guy, you know, the next, you know, six foot eight dude with the seven foot four wingspan is coming from. You know, they just they 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 were a mess. They were a total mess. So, yeah, they but. they turned there. So they turned the ball over. 19 times 29 percent of possessions this is a team yeah. that was in the top 80 you know just one of the better teams in the pac 12 at avoiding turnovers and then one of the tragic things is uh and oral roberts is has his mantle now but uh colorado was on track to set the uh all-time record for a free throw percentage in a season uh but they went seven and eleven and they dropped oh. below Harvard from like 1982 or four or oh. something like that. But apparently, Oral Roberts can still do it as well. So uh, if, oh, if, if, are if you, if, oh yeah, are if you, you want to see someone break a record this season, just root for Oral Roberts to make as many free throws as they can, as they probably <laughs> lose this time. Um, yeah, probably. But yeah, you never know. You, you never, never know. know. Um, yeah, UCLA. Uh, I, I actually thought that that beat down of Abilene Christian is more impressive than people probably think because yeah. Abilene Christian has, and as Texas found out has a very good defense. Um, yeah. It's so funny. They are now 85th and WC is 84th. And it is that Spider-Man meme pointing at each other because Washington state is 172 in offense, adjusted off adjusted offensive efficiency and 26th in adjusted defensive efficiency Abilene Christian's 188th in adjusted offensive efficiency and 25th in adjusted defensive efficiency. <laughs> like they are just, they are just like two peas in the pod, both just teams that can't score and just defend their asses off. They do it differently. Abilene Christian forces turnovers like crazy. Um, and it kind of shows you that forcing turnovers can translate to playing better teams. Um, as long as they are turnover prone, uh, UCLA just, there's just so, they're not big on the front line, but they're big everywhere else. Yep. And and that was very obvious. Like Jaime Jaquez was dominating the offensive glass against Abilene Christian because like Abilene Christian does have one big guy, uh, Colton Cole, but he doesn't play a ton. Um, he plays like half the game. Um, and when he was out, uh, UCLA's like army of wings was just attacking the offensive glass, and they were getting out and running and just. Uh, kind of obliterating that uh, that like very good defense, um, and then UCLA. I, it's it 
just what what Mick Cronin has done to get those guys to play defense is just very impressive. And and yep. it's it's games like this where it truly shows, like where they're they very clearly have the athletic advantage and and they work their asses off and they totally shut down Abilene Christian in a way that Texas could not and um and it was uh it was pretty impressive. I it, Abilene Christian. They're yeah. a better coach team, man. Yeah, they're just they're a better, a better yeah. coach team than Texas. Yep. So, um, yeah, Mick Cronin, uh, he's a good coach. Uh, they've got a tough one coming yeah. up. Uh, they got Alabama. Good luck another, with Alabama. Another very good coach, Nate Oates. Um, which, as I, I said on Twitter, gotta love Nate Oates because if he didn't leave Buffalo, No Williams would not be in Pullman. And uh, we are very happy that Noah Williams is in Pullman. Very yes, glad we you are. went to Alabama, Nate. Good choice. Yeah. Obviously a good choice. Uh, you have a very good team. I just, for funsies, put them in, in the national championship game. Uh, Me too. Uh, just because, well, I couldn't put Gonzaga there. Me too. <laughs> Samesies. I swear to God, we did not talk about this beforehand. This I is didn't the first even know time... you did that too. <laughs> I know. This is the first I've heard of this. And I've got Alabama in the championship uh, with Baylor. Because I'm like, I have it with Houston. Because yeah. I'm like, go Kelvin Sampson, come on! Hell man. yeah, I got <laughs> Houston in the final four too, man. What is up? I got Houston. Yeah, I got. Oh man, I mean, I don't care about my bracket that much, but I do. I, I do want to see uh, Kelvin Sampson do good, and that their um, their second round game was. Whew, Rutgers had yeah. them on the ropes, and oh, I cannot man. believe that they pulled that out. That was impressive. I know. Yeah, Rutgers really had to Rutgers that thing, yeah. uh, in order for that to happen. But yeah, it's uh, it's exciting, man. My only regret with my bracket is that I uh, so I did pick Loyola Chicago to beat Illinois. Oh, nice! But I did not. I wanted but to, I, and I didn't. Yeah, yeah, but nice. I did not pick Loyola Chicago to beat the their next round opponent. I'm like, why didn't I have the balls to do that? Like, what was that all about? Yeah, which <laughs> you know, like, is, which is now like Oregon I picked State. them to beat the one seed and. <laughs> You know, it, and the team that I had him playing was Oklahoma State, you know, because I mean, no, I, I'm sure nobody I, I, I was like, Oregon State's a 12. They're not a 12. I'm like, they're like a 13, you know, maybe a 14. I Come think on, I man. might have had Oklahoma State beat Illinois just because of Cade Cunningham. Like that's yeah. Like and I, I definitely bought into the same thing with I definitely bought into Cade Cunningham. Uh, definitely was like, yeah, you know, Oklahoma State will be there. Um, and then obviously, yeah, yeah, they, they played like garbage. Basically that was Cade Cunningham and nobody else. And Loyola, man, dude, I have not got to see them. I love what they do with Cameron Krutwig. Like it's so fun to watch the the way they, they run that same set with him at the top over and over again. High post, like these double, like, I don't even know what you call them, but like two, two guys curling around him in the high post, like. He does this like two handed dribble handoff thing that I thought was like he just occasionally did it, but then I saw a Jordan Sperber hoop vision. Um, He he shared like a video of them, and he uses that little double like it's he's such a crazy player, like he's such a unique player. Like I thought with um when when they were playing Illinois um, against Illinois' big uh, uh, he, another uh, Coburn. Yeah, Coburn. Uh, it was like to me, it was like Shaq versus Arvidas Sabonis in like the late nineties. Um, yeah, like like right when Shaq went to L.A. That's a good way to put it. Because like it was just Arvidas was just like this finesse player, like 
Uh, not that crew weight. He's not that. He's not like super finesse. Like when he gets in the post, he kind of he he lowers yeah, his shoulder, he's, but but he's but, pretty finesse. Yeah, man. he's pretty finesse. He doesn't shoot like anything outside of ten feet. It seems like he does not yeah. want to do that because they just play off of him. Uh, but but I mean, you talk about this player, dude. He's actually third in Ken Ken Palm Player of the Year. Uh, he's a, a six nine. He play, he seems bigger, honestly. Like he seems he taller. does look bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. But he's twenty six assist rate, which would be good for a point guard. Uh, great great rebounding numbers, both ends of the floor. Uh, block shots, steals the ball, hasn't taken a three pointer the entire year, but uh, makes fifty eight percent of his two pointers. Uh, just in a an incredibly unique and fun to watch player. And he looks like a 50 year old man um, because he had to grow that mustache and he's, and he's got the receding hairline. So it's fantastic. Um, but now, you know, he's got, now, now they got to face Oregon state, you know, that that'll be, yeah. they're, they're just uh, loyal as defense is uh, absurd. Like they just work yeah. their asses off. That was another thing I noticed with Abilene too, is like, you notice when these teams, just work their asses off on defense and especially when it's these mid-major teams um yeah that don't have the athletes maybe of the team they're playing and and this they just work their butts off and yeah it'll be interesting uh the funny thing is uh Loyola is currently ninth in the Kempom rankings but they're an eight seed um in the tournament so congrats Oregon State you get to play an eight seed yeah uh, but luck. they're they're more like a two seed, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good luck. It, you mentioned uh, Jordan Sperber. He also did a really cool video, Hoop Vision video. Um, so like, if you're if you're on YouTube, search for Hoop Vision. Um, he does these just like crazy cool breakdowns of uh, strategy and and you know th- basically things from a coaching and a little bit analytics perspective. Uh, looking at teams and and so one of the, what Craig was referencing was he kind of spliced together a whole bunch of possessions of them doing this you know this this one action that and all the different ways that they they varied that action um, he's got a really good video I think it's about a 10 minute video on uh, Porter, Porter Moser's defense and what makes it so good and why it's so strong um, so that's definitely worth uh, well worth watching I subscribe to his uh, his paid service as he he does all his cool breakdown stuff Um, and then the other thing about them is I just kept thinking, this is what I hope we are in a couple of years. Um, you know, it just stylistically, I I think that we'll always, I think we'll shoot more threes than Loyola Chicago does slow tempo. Yeah. We won't be that slow tempo wise. Uh, we'll shoot more threes, but like the other, like just sort of stylistic things that I, that I look at, you know, defensively. Um, they just take away so much of what you want to do and they just make you uncomfortable all the time. And I'm like, when, when Kyle Smith's defense is like doing what it's supposed to do and this year was on the right track, but not quite there and still 26th overall in defensive efficiency, right? 26th Um, higher than Tony Bennett, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. They moved all the way up to 26. So, um, you know, when when they are really, really running right, I could see them sort of blending the defense from the last two years, which is, you know, the, the two-point defense of this year with the ball pressure turnover defense of the year before. And that's really basically what Loyola Chicago does. You know, they just, they, they sort of up in your face. They make you very uncomfortable. They take away the shots that you want. 
Um, and so they're, they're very, very difficult and then just very smart on offense. They don't, you know, turn it over much. They take smart shots. Um, they just sort of, they're, they're just real savvy. And that's, that's the kind of team I think that we are, uh, maybe destined to be under Kyle Smith, you know, provided, you know, he sticks around and the players stick around and, and, and all that good stuff. So yeah, that's, I don't know, man, if you, if you haven't watched Iola Chicago yet, you know, make sure to watch them in this game against Oregon state. Cause they're probably going to win. So you're probably going to get to see them a couple times if you want. Um, and just, yeah, you'll, you'll see why the analytics have loved them to death. All this, their, their move up to what would you say? They're ninth now, right? Yeah. Um, they, they were, I think 10th heading into the tournament. So ninth, actually. this is not, they just, they were ninth, ninth heading into the they tournament went up to seven at one point. Okay. And I think USC yeah. like, uh, that's probably them and, or whatever. So, yeah. So they, they have beaten, you know, they, they beat Georgia tech pretty good. They beat Illinois pretty good and they haven't moved because they were already freaking good. Yeah. So these aren't know, above can, and beyond. It's pretty like, clear. No, yeah. this is exactly, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have expected them to beat Illinois, but Illinois and them was a coin flip. You know, I think Illinois was ranked number four in Ken Palm heading into the tournament. Yep. And that's basically a coin flip. You so. wouldn't expect them to beat them like they did, which that was an incre- impressive no. win because they got out to a double digit lead early. And Illinois, I don't think ever got closer than like eight or nine, like the yeah. whole game. They never Illinois really never went on a run because they just were shutting them down defensively, and yeah. that's the dream is just never letting teams go on runs. Um, yep, and that's and, and their defense is so good that they can do that. And so you you mentioned they 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 force teams into tough shots. They take quality shots. I, I don't know if you were looking at the same numbers. I have. so on uh, another site that Jeff and I have now you know, are starting to nerd out on is a uh, shot quality.com. Um, uh, so, um, this is a site that, uh, WSU definitely subscribes to the, the program. Um, um, they have a, they have a quote from Kyle Smith right on the front page. So, uh, if, if you want to give away, yeah, if you want to be in tune with, uh, uh, what, what our coaches look at, uh, another, uh, site is shot quality.com. So I just looked up Loyola, and uh, his uh, on his numbers, they were uh, uh, out of a, a hundred. They were uh, ninety five on uh, adjusted uh, um, offensive shot quality, and then a hundred on so a hundred out of a hundred on uh, defensive uh, uh, shot quality. So the right, so it, those are percentiles, right? Percentiles. They are. So the, yeah. well, uh, well, they're sixth overall. Uh, so he rates. So, yeah, it's percentile, but it's not percentile relative to everyone else. Uh, it's basically uh, every shot gets a score, and then they adjust it based right. on the defensive plan and stuff. Right. Um, so they're um, in offensive rank. I'm trying to sort. Maybe I can't because I'm not a subscriber. Uh, offensive rank, they're definitely high. I don't see a lot of teams over 95 uh, and then they're obviously the best in defense. <laughs> like they're the best, like not even like they're a hundred. And then Baylor is 99. Baylor's 99 on both sides. Uh, Gonzaga is 93. Uh, there's no one else that's even close. Uh, so they're, they do exactly like you said, like even the, the, the metrics bared out, they take good shots and they force teams into bet. Like, Force teams into tough shots, like, and that's that's the dream, right? That's that's, yeah. And and smart coaches think it think of it in that way, right? Yep, yep. 
And that's, uh, we have a smart coach. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. So any other, uh, since we're nerding out on the tournament, any other, uh, things? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no big thoughts about the tournament. Um, other yeah. than Pac-12 dominance, baby. Pa- Pac-12 dominance, Pac-12 cha-ching, dollars. Cha-ching, cha-ching, yeah. cha-ching. Yeah. And I just, I'd love, I'd love that we are, because, okay, just aesthetically, uh, Dick Bennett's first year, he took he took uh, WSU um, from, um, let me get it, uh, 208 to 126. And then his third year, when they had like Kaladi as a senior, um, Jeff Farum, who he had, who he had recruited as a senior, uh, they went in, they went up to 79. And so now Kyle Smith in his first two years took him from 206 to 126, and from 126 to 84, that could change. But they're going to be probably top 90. They're probably going to be top 90. They're probably going to be top 30 in defense. Um, we were hoping that Kyle Smith is going to improve the defense. He has done that. Like, you know, I think maybe if we had a full roster this year, there could have been more achievements, you know, uh, you know, that maybe yeah. not a tournament, but maybe an NIT or something like that. Um, I, I, right now the NIT might be thinking we probably should have invited them or, or maybe they probably should have invited Arizona state or so, you know, some other like PAC 12 schools. Um, but, or maybe Utah or someone. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it, I, it's, it's fun to look at those parallels. Obviously, um, you know, Dick had the, uh, best defense by adjusted efficiency on Ken Bob in the country, his second year, <laughs> which is bonkers. Yep. Um, if you totally just look bonkers. at that roster, you're like, what? Like with, no, with Jeff Verum and Robbie Calgill manning the inside, they, yep. they had the, and Chris, Chris Schlotter playing 56% of the minutes. They yeah. had the best defense in the country. That is bunk. And yeah. I'm not talking about by points per game because they played really slow. I'm talking about by adjusted efficiency, adjusted for their opponents. Adjust- like it's, it's insane. Like it's, yeah. but like, but at the same time, like, cause at least like with Kyle, like, and actually the thing that makes it more exciting with Kyle is because they got better on defense a lot because of the players he brought in and yes. he brings in good players. And that's kind of a more fun way to be good is to have good players. And it's not a way that we envisioned in Pullman, but it's what is coming true. Uh, we got better at defense because we brought in F.A. Abagidi and Deshaun Jackson. Like that is why, that is why we yep. got better at defense. Um, yep. And that is fun. Uh, and guess what? They're both freshmen and we have FA probably for at least one more year. So, um, yeah. And number 26, I'm, I, I keep hoping somehow we pop into that top 25. Uh, maybe we will. I don't know. Cause you know, again, monkey brains, we like those round numbers. Yeah. If, uh, you know, USC wins a couple more games, if, you know, somehow, uh, UCLA does something against Alabama, you know, like, you know, we yeah, we need there. we we just need we need their offenses to do really well. Yes, like so, that's what we so need. that makes our defense look better by comparison. Correct, correct. 
So, yeah. So, okay. So that's the tournament. Uh, other WSU stuff. Uh, so I have, team. I, I have something what? that I didn't mention at the start, but I have to, okay. admit, I have to talk about. So if you, if you're, uh, if you subscribe to this coup calendar, um, that Dan Barbadero is doing, uh, former, uh, kind of interim, uh, president, uh, in between, uh, Elson and, um, uh, Kirk Schultz. Um, and he's been, uh, uh, you know, high up at WSU for a while. Um, I, I think I said his name wrong. Uh, Bernardo, Might have. Bernardo, Dan Bernardo. Uh, sorry, Dan. I, you, I know you read Kook Center. Now I'm, now I'm, now I'm mad at myself. Um, I, I, um, I don't know why I thought Barbadero, but, um, but, uh, he sends out these, um, daily emails with just like fun facts. And so what he sent out last night was that Jen Greeny, uh, she was one of the top 50 recruits in the country for volleyball, but she also was at the time, the all time leading scorer in Washington state basketball history, over 2,800 points when she, uh, in her high school career for boys and, and girls. Um, so I, I had, I had, uh, last night when I saw that pop in my email, I, I tagged Jen on Twitter. I was like, Hey Jen, you know, um, I, you know, basically said like, why, you know, save some talent for the rest of us. I didn't know you were a Hooper too. And she, and she, uh, she responded that, you know, yeah, she was, she was pretty good. She still has a, a, a jump hook that she makes her 11 year olds mad with. Then she followed up with me, um, and I, and I made sure um, uh, that uh, it was okay that I shared this. Uh, but she sent me um, – she was actually recruited by Tara Vanderveer. Um, she – she uh, yeah, so she was recruited by Tara Vanderveer at Stanford. Uh, she sent me the proof, by the way. Um, so to play basketball, of course. Um, so she was that good. She, she had schools looking at her for basketball – um, apparently for, it was a really big deal that she chose volleyball, uh, at WSU. Um, she was a, a high school all American, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in basketball as well. So, um, Jen Greeny, uh, absolutely incredibly talented person and, uh, and still this massive chip on her shoulder and is just a hard worker and, the perfect and obviously a Coug and uh, like the perfect uh, person to coach uh, a Coug program. Um, and now of course she was, a, uh, an amazing volleyball player at WSU, uh, helped them go to tournaments and is now, uh, you know, you know, one of our greatest coaches of all time and is taking, you know, has our volleyball program, um, on the brink of potentially winning a, a PAC 12 championship too. So, um, Jen Greeny, what about us? Just want to want to mention that, um, uh, all of that for uh, for her because uh, that was fun, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> did not know that. Davenport High School, Jen Greeny. Yeah, what a um, yeah. The more you know, and like the that's right. Uh, uh, so thanks, thanks, Dan. Um, Someone's gonna get pissed yeah. at me for mispronouncing his name. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, but uh, volleyball, volleyball is not playing. That'd be yeah. cool if they were playing games. But yeah, that was a real bummer. They they uh, couldn't play that series against uh, UW because of COVID. Now the Utah, at least the first match this weekend is canceled. Um, and, you know, 
if I still think if they win their last three matches, then they'll be regular season Pac-12 champs by percentage, um, which would be cool. <laughs> um, you know, asterisks or whatever, but I'll take. I don't. There are no asterisks to me for uh, Cougar athletic achievements. Like, no, nope. win the cool. conference. We are owning that shit. UW is still claiming that Pac-12 North championship in football when they, right. they played all their games at home and didn't have to play Oregon. That's right. Um, I will definitely buy the T-shirt. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, UW is at thirteen and three. Washington State's at ten and two. So if you you Washington State finished at thirteen and two, uh, it depends on how many games that you dub won. If they won all their games, it just depends on the percentage. But if they win out, they have a good shot of actually being the regular season or the the Pac twelve champions. Uh, there obviously there's no tournament, just regular season. But um, it seems pretty likely that they'll also be uh, uh, in the NCAA tournament as well. So, yep. which is pretty awesome. Um, yeah, it is. And, and as we've said before, they're almost all sophomores and and one freshman, uh, which is pretty sick. Um, so yeah, uh, volleyball, soccer, uh, had a rough weekend, man. Uh, uh, the worst way I've ever seen a team lose a game, man. I mean, oh absolutely, absolutely stunner of a goal to tie the match late, and you're like, okay, uh, Mac Stevens. I makes this incredible run down yeah, the left. Can't even really describe it. Uh, and then just loops it over the goalie for the tying goal after UW had scored in the, I think sixth or seventh minute. And then it was just, I think she, McAmey scored in this 76th or something. So something it was, like it was a long wait. Um, and of course, like WCU hadn't lost to UW for 16 years before losing to them last year or in 2019, right before their big run. Um, and so, yeah, coming down, you know, it looks like they're going to get to overtime, uh, extra time, which is, they call it sudden victory, but it's definitely overtime because they're going to, you know, first goal wins. Yeah. So, so they, uh, it, it basically became sudden victory right before 14 seconds to go you <sighs> dub basically a hail mary at the goal um I mean, I mean it was struck it was struck pretty well yeah it was struck well it, but from far well, went far out like it was not but a, it definitely should have been easily handled and uh and it was not it was a wet handled wet field wet ball we'll give we'll give yeah. the keeper that that credit yeah. Yeah. um she just, I'm glad she, you will. She just kind of she misplayed it. She got <laughs> she got cross footed. I think she just got fooled. She got fooled. Yeah, probably a knuckler. Ball a had a little ball had a little bend on it. She didn't really realize it had a little bend on it. And, and instead of just, instead of doing what she should have done, which is just punch it off to the side and just you know she tried to grab it. She tried to catch it, and she'd been catching balls all night. You know, so she tried to catch it. Her body wasn't in front of it. And the ball just, you know, slowly off the fingertips and into the goal. Uh, one of it's just those those brutal ones where it's just like slowly rolls across across the line. Yep. Like doesn't yep. even doesn't even get Slow to the back motion. of the net. You're like, yep. oh my god. Yeah. With 14 seconds to play. Yep. I felt horrible for her. man. Goalies. I mean, keepers are already like you already got to be a little bit of a weirdo to want to be a keeper. Like like that's just kind of a. 
a pretty well-established fact in soccer, you know, like the, the weirdos are the ones who want to be keepers. And so, you know, for, for her to, you know, be in a spot where, you know, you want to be a keeper and then, um, you know, and then, you know, stuff like that happens when you're a keeper and, you know, you just hope the howlers don't happen 14 seconds before the end of the game. And you and, can't recover. So there's there was just no possible way. Yep. Yep. And it also, um, if, if I remember, I wasn't our regular keeper, right? It was, it was a backup. Yes. Uh, no? I don't know. Am I incorrect was about it? that? I'm okay, not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, inexperienced keeper. I know that. Um, so whatever. Oh, by whatever, the way, Ella, Ella Dedrick, our, our, our longtime, very good keeper, Ella Dedrick. Uh, she is, uh, she made, uh, the, the, the OL rate. So she is yeah. on the rain. I can't wait to go to a rain match, wear all my kook stuff. Yeah, and also I have my, kooks. I have my, uh, LFG, uh, let's fucking go sweatshirt for Ali Long. Cause she hits her company with Alex Morgan that made that. And I love Ali Long. Um, I don't know if we're at a place in society like we're, yeah, I know like when women watch the men's sports, they, 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 they can pick favorites based on their looks. Um, I a hundred percent, Allie is very good, but she is also, I have a huge crush on her. I won't even, <laughs> won't even, uh, deny it. Um, um, and yeah, but anyways, so I wear that for her, but I definitely wear my coo cat. Um, I can't wait till, uh, till, uh, Morgan Weaver comes in. And I can root both for her and against her um, uh, as a as a Portland Thorn. But anyways, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, we have a keeper on all rain. Uh, we also um, uh, picked up a transfer from West Virginia. Pretty yeah. solid, solid looking attacking player. Yeah, um, that looks really good. Yeah. Um, again, this is the program that Schulenberger at all have built uh, to uh, uh, to. Um, to the point where players will transfer from West Virginia to Pullman because uh, they know they can win. And uh, and that's why it sucks to lose you dub because we kind of had them in their place for a while. And, ugh, frustrating. We, get, we, uh, we actually get them again uh, this year. That was a non-conference game. Yes, important to note. Yeah, that was so a non- So it doesn't really count. Yeah, it doesn't count. Suck at you dub uh, So we actually we, – we, uh, we host you dub in the actual conference game to end the, to end the regular season. Um, and lots of, lots of soccer in front of us, uh, to, uh, you know, rack up some wins, uh, get to the, get to the postseason again. Um, and they seem, I, I, they, they look pretty solid to me. Uh, the first time we got to watch them, honestly, um, they maybe don't have, they don't have, they, they have good attacking players. Obviously they don't have that, uh, burner, like Weaver and that you would have hoped Rodman would have been uh, to just torch the defense, but they do have good attackers, but maybe not the, the tort, like the, the one that would just outrun someone like, like uh, Weaver often did to UW and, and all that. But yep. But yeah, they're uh solid, solid midfield, solid defense. Uh, I, they probably can stack up against almost anyone in, in the league and, and, Hopefully that turns into lots of good results, and hopefully we can talk about postseason soccer again because uh, soccer's fun. Um, and we're gonna move. We're, we've moved out to lower field again, so hopefully we can actually watch the team more. Because when they were in the bubble, 
uh, you can't really set up a camera to watch in there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, baseball's killing people with their offense. Uh, they had their opening Pac-12, took one out of three from Oregon State, which is uh, not as good as two out of three, but certainly better than zero out of three. It was in Corvallis as well, we should note. Um, yep. and know, they, Oregon State obviously has been the the big boy in the conference for a while, so you know, winning winning a game down there is a uh, no small and, feat. So that's uh, cool. Lost the uh, lost the fi- the the rubber match on a home run. Um, it yep. was tied in a home run. So yeah, they they're yep. definitely um, yeah they they shut them down in the, in the on Friday, and then what what really stands out? They just they're scoring runs, and we haven't yeah, seen they a, a, rake, dude. Yeah, they rake. We haven't seen a, a team. Uh, a WSU rake like this in a while. Uh, they 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 split with UNLV in the midweek. Uh, scored a bunch of runs. Gave up way too many today. Um, uh, they they were actually down nine to one and came back and made it nine to eight and then lost. I think it was like fourteen to nine or something. <laughs> like, it was, like they're just yeah. they're, they're going to be that team. You know they they're gonna they're gonna score a bunch. They might give up a bunch. Uh, they're probably going to win more. They honestly with what they've done so far. You know, it's not out of the realm to think that they could be a, a postseason team. So uh, that's that's pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, which is crazy crazy to think about. So yeah, obviously which, in such a short time, you know, Brian Green doing some big work. Kyle Manzardo, that's the guy. That's the name to know. You know what's uh, funny is like the, he's got the mustache. Mustache hard, and uh, hard to miss. Incredibly long on base streak. Now it's like forty four games or something like yeah. that. Um, he funny thing about him is uh, he, I always like doubt myself about his how to spell his name because it's Manzardo, but his Twitter account is just Muzzardo. Yes. There's no end. I noticed that today, and I was like, "Did the baseball team tag the wrong guy?" I don't. And then, like, you click I, on I, it. I clicked, and, and I was like, "No, actually, okay, that's him." I I don't know. It's it, maybe it's a little bit like uh, who was it? Oh. Uh, um, Bennett, uh, Michael Bennett from the, from the Seahawks and his, his, uh, Twitter handles Moses bread. And he meant to do Moses beard, but he typed it in wrong when he made his Twitter handle the first time. So it's Moses bread and he just left it. Yeah. Maybe Kyle misspelled his own name and then he's like, screw it. I'm with it. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe, maybe I, so many people have, uh, like, said his name and misspelled his name wrong that he maybe just thought it'd be funny to do it that way entirely possible but anyway that's the guy man watch him and he uh he destroys baseballs and and he's a lot of fun so yeah they're they're a lot more fun than uh right now than than they were for years and years and years under uh under donnie and you know they, they don't they don't bunt in the first inning anymore which is uh you know which is great so yeah. Cause why butt when you can just mash when you hit doubles yeah, and homers? That's, that's uh, that is that is the right way to approach baseball, man. Yeah, chicks di- chicks dig the long ball, Craig. Yes, that's what I've heard. I, I heard it in the in the nineties, I think. Um, yes, when I, when I was a youth, so it's been ingrained <laughs> in me. You were like, I was eight years old when that commercial came out. Yeah, pretty sure I was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. I had a chicks dig the long ball shirt from Nike back in whatever year that was. Anyway. Uh, all right. Well, should we wrap this sucker up? Yeah, let's let's cut it. Let's get under two hours. Oh, just barely though. Damn it. How did we get to this? All right. Well, um, 
yeah. Uh, podcast vs everyone at gmail.com. If you want to send us questions or comments or whatever, um, give us five star ratings wherever you can rate. Um, I know you can on iTunes, so give it, even if you don't, even if you don't listen to us on iTunes, feel free to go on iTunes and give us a five star rating and then leave <laughs> a comment. Um, because that, that's kind of where a lot of people get their podcasts and, uh, yes. and, and the writing, the, the rating systems aren't as like, don't matter as much in some of the other ones. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, go ahead and give us that, that five star rating. Uh, leave a review, a nice review or a mean review. I don't even care what you leave in the review. Um, as long as it's a five star rating. Um, and then, uh, what else, Jeff, uh, at the Craig powers on Twitter is me. Uh, you can follow Jeff at pod BS everyone. And I think that's it. Yeah. Go Cougs, Jeff. Go Cougs, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter.